1: Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Welcome to a drive home edition of the Brooklyn Basketball Podcast. So it's like a dueling drive home sitting on my ass podcast. I'm the one driving home from Barclays Center. And my great partner Mike Biseglia said, "Nah, I don't want to go to Brooklyn tonight. I'm just going to sit on my ass at home and watch the game." So I'm driving home. He's at home. How you feeling, pal?
1: Oh, I'm feeling good after the win. But it wasn't that simple as not going to the game. I will say that nobody needs to hear the details. But I'm feeling good. It was—I I forgot how nice Ws are. I prefer them over losses. I know long term it's going to be about what happens at the end of the season. it, it felt—it felt nice to get a W and, and pretty much never really in doubt against Washington, got close to to nine at one point, but Washington just could not hit shots in the Nets got W.
0: Never in doubt, dude. We're texting each other bitching about the fact that they couldn't put this game away, Beal's missing open shots, everybody's missing open shots, and it just felt like, and I know it's tough to kind of nitpick when you win a game fairly easily. I mean, at the four-minute mark, we're seeing Cam Thompson and De'Ron Sharp uh, whose job is not just to talk to the crowd on opening day, more on that in a little bit. But it did seem like they gave the Wizards the opportunity numerous times mm-hmm. to get back in this game. And like this happened in the Charlotte game, and it obviously backfired. The Hornets came back, took the lead, and ended up winning. There are times throughout games in which they take the foot off the gas. And when you're facing a good, young, athletic team, you know, you take that foot off the gas. They're going to get right back into the basketball game. That's what I think happened against Charlotte. I think today the Wizards just kept missing shots. Mm. I mean, dude, let's be honest. They were missing shots all night long. It looked like they were the team on the back-to-back.
1: Yeah, and there were opportunities for sure for Washington to get back in the game when they cut it to 13, 12, and they just could not make anything. I mean, they ended up shooting, Evan, 34.7% from the field 23% from three. I mean, they were 33 for 95 from the field, which basically gives you no chance. Nets 40 for 94. And that was the, you know, that and and the Nets not turning over the ball really felt like the big difference in this game for the Nets and then for, you know, getting the win. And then also every time that Washington was able to get it to anywhere between 11 and 14. The Nets had an answer. If it was a James Harden three plus the foul, if it was Patty Mills stealing the ball right from the breadbasket of um, uh, um, Bradley Beal. So anytime there was a a moment like that, it did feel as if the Nets did find a way to increase the lead. If it was Kevin Durant hitting you know pull-up threes to end the first half, there was always something groovy going on for the Nets.
0: Yeah. I mean, and the other thing is like Steve Nash has been effing around with rotations throughout this year. At times, I think it frustrates us. Like, what the hell is he doing? Does he want to try to win games? But I think we saw tonight why the experimenting makes sense because DeAndre Bembry, who we barely saw, if at all, I mean, I don't know if we even saw him at all in the first three games of the season. I thought Bembry fit in well today. He can defend, and they've got more guys on this team that can defend than last year. Like, last year, the offense flowed so beautifully, you know, even when they didn't have all three stars on the floor, but it seemed like they lacked the defensive consistency. They got more of that this year. They have more pieces of guys who can defend. I mean, not just Patty Mills' offense. We see his on-ball defense. We saw a little bit of DeAndre Bembry. Even Paul Millsap gives you a little bit. Lamarcus is slow in plotting. We didn't see him tonight, which makes sense, but even he gives him a little bit of a presence. They just have more guys – that can defend it's weird there are times in which the offense doesn't flow the way you'd expect it to and so it's almost like a sort of small reversal from last year where they defend more on a consistent basis and it's the offense that looks lost at times
1: yeah it absolutely feels in that direction and maybe part of it has to do with James Harden going off with the slow start no Kyrie Irving there right now and then so a lot of the offense right now is give it to Kevin Kevin Durant. He can make make opportunities for other people, or he does his thing and you know gets that 16 to 18 foot shot where nobody can guard him. It is a pleasant to see the defense though look a little bit better. And yeah, I, I I've been really impressed with what we saw tonight from Bemory. From he was fantastic the way he got into the passing lanes. He was energetic, he gave them energy. And it was just good to see because my biggest concern, I think, from the first three games, regardless of winner losses, it just felt as if the Nets have no athletic ability moving up and down the court. No guys that can just get to the get to the rim, defend, and have that athletic feel. Yeah. And I'm not saying, you know, this is a game-changing move that we saw from Coach Nash, but it did feel like there was just a burst of energy and athleticism that was put into the lineup. Cause let's figure like Aldridge, Millisap. Blake's not the same guy and he's not the same high-flying dude that he once was James Harden's athletic, but it's like this sneaky old man's game coming up and down the court, the way he gets by people. It's not this young youth athleticism. And I, and I think we saw a difference with that tonight, especially with with Brown in the lineup. It, also, it, it gets
0: here's the thing though, when they face young athletic teams, that
1: point that you just made,
0: which is so spot on gets exposed. Like mm-hmm. I think that happened in the Charlotte game where when they face good, young, athletic teams, and there's a lot of teams like that in the league, they're not necessarily better than the Nets by any stretch, but they're young, athletic, they can move. I think at times the Nets are going to get exposed. And look, I know Dinwiddie didn't have the greatest night tonight, but considering what's going on with Kyrie, they could really use Spencer Dinwiddie. I mean, it's, mm. it's frustrating that. I know it was all about a tax bill that they didn't bring this guy back. I mean, just think about, What we would be saying about this roster if you add Spencer Dinwiddie to it. Um, Look, I'm not saying they should have known what was going to go on with Kyrie. I don't know if at that point they had any idea about the the whole thing with the vaccine mandate and Irving not getting vaccinated and all that crap. But I missed him tonight. You know, even though it wasn't Spencer's greatest night, probably his uh, weakest game as a wizard so far, just watching him and remembering what he can do and seeing even what he can do. They miss him, man. I mean, it just would have been so much better if they would have found a way to keep this guy.
1: Yeah, disappointing, but again, not stunning because of the tax bill and everything that went with that. And yeah, this was Dinwiddie's worst game so far with Washington. And I was really surprised by this because I remember as a net, whenever he would go back and, pay, and play the Pistons, I mean- Revenge just, games. Revenge games. He would yeah. torture them. Now it was a little different because he felt as if Detroit didn't give him a chance. He They thought they're- he was better than what they were showing. So I think with the Nets, he realizes like they revitalized his career and they made him a, a multi-millionaire. So I don't think there's this like, I'm going to go back and get the Nets. It was more like, hey, I get it. It's business. You couldn't afford me. I outgrew my contract in Brooklyn. But I still thought he would come in with a little bit more of an edge, a little bit more of a buzz. And he hit that that first three-point shot. And really after that, you didn't see much from Spencer Dinwiddie. You did get one of the classic. He didn't get fouled. Puts his hands up in the yeah. air. Looks at the ref. <laughs> He did get one of those, but for the most part, he was a non-factor for Washington. But you, I mean, you you see it like his length, his ability to get to the basket. Everything. He can hit hit threes from all over the court, and he can you know he has the ability to make his own shot. Uh, You know, I think I think in Washington, uh, the fans there will obviously fall in love with him once he gets a little bit of rhythm. And we saw what he did in that game when Bradley Beal was out when he poured in thirty four for the win versus the Pacers or or the Cavs, like whichever one that was, mixing the two up.
0: Right. No, I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Um, it was nice not having 25% of the crowd there when the game started. It was a little bit better tonight, I must say. And, you know, it's funny. I My show ended at 7 o'clock, so I'm coming over, taking the train. And I got to wait in a bag line, like a line where they check your bags. I'm coming from work, man. So I got my bag from mm-hmm. work. I got my iPad. Dude, it was worse than going through airport security. Mm-hmm. It was so... I mean, they check in every freaking bag like I'm hiding something. But whatever, they're keeping us safe. I know that's important. And I actually walked in right as tip-off was occurring. So I was like 10 minutes online, and then boom, I got in. But it was nice not dealing with the, the crap we saw on Sunday, which which sucked. Like, I didn't deal with what happened outside, right. but I saw the videos, and obviously being inside, and for the opening of the season to have, like, nobody there when the game started. And by the way, It packed up by halftime, so it's not as if it's one of those let's make fun of the Nets kind of jokes. I mean, the place was packed, but obviously it started off looking rather empty at the beginning of the game because of those freaking protests, and I'm proud to report there were no protests Mm. at Barkley Center tonight as I was walking in the building, so I was happy to see that.
1: Oh, it's great to hear. It was jarring from home watching the game when you look at the crowd, and I'm like, every – has a white T-shirt, and I understand the Nets have had issues in the past in Brooklyn and New Jersey selling tickets. But I was, I was thinking to myself, that something's not right here. I mean, it looks like a preseason game. Something didn't add up. And then I saw what was going on. With, uh, you know, I saw on social media on Twitter the chaos that was ensuing outside and the impact that had getting into the arena. And it just sucks if you're a fan and you know you've let's. We always talk about, oh, these players miss back-to-backs and I my hard-earned money to go into the game. How about if you spend all your money to try to go see the Nets on opening day and you're excited and you're taking your family and there's a bunch of morons outside that are protesting and then t- taking it to another extreme level where it's impacting people getting into the arena? I mean, talk about being selfish for the people outside that are just trying to go in and see a basketball game. It was so disturbing to see that kind of energy, not allowing people to go in there was just frustrating. And no one, I don't think this is an, it's almost like an impossible question, but what Kyrie Irving must be thinking when he's watching this, I'd love to know. Does he even know? I mean, does
0: does, does Kyrie Irving even know (laughs) what happened the other day?
1: I would think so. I don't know. know. It's
0: funny. It's funny. Craig asked me unrelated to protest. Cardin asked me the other day, do you think that Kyrie Irving knows the Nets are playing tonight? And I think it was before the Net Sixers game. And I was like, yeah, he's a, he's a hooper. You know, he knows the Nets schedule. He's watching his team every night. But the truth is I have no idea. I mean, I don't know if he's paying attention to anything. And I, and I don't know if this has gotten back to Kyrie because this sort of surprised me. I go to the game opening day on Sunday and outside the building, inside the building, there is no record of Kyrie Irving existing. There are no pictures mm. of Kyrie Irving. There's nothing. I mean, yeah. in the team store, they still sell his Jersey. So you can still buy the Kyrie Irving Jersey, but outside that building, you see Blake Griffin, you see Kevin Durant, you see freaking Bruce Brown, you see Patty bills, you see James Hart, you see everybody you could think of, but you don't see Kyrie Irving and you can read into it and say, boy, the Nets really don't expect him back. Like, they really don't expect anything to work out this year where the guy comes back. Because it it does sort of feel extreme to have no record of the guy when he's still on the roster. And at any moment, in theory, he could come back.
1: If you're watching these games at home, I've noticed too, when they're like, don't forget to come to the game on Wednesday when the Nets play the Heat or whatever it might, Friday, it's the Pacers or season ticket plans. There is no trace of Kyrie Irving. It's Joe Harris, Bruce Brown, Kevin Durant, James Harden. There is no Kyrie Irving. Get your tickets now plan with Kai anywhere near it. So internally in the building, that's going on. Then also from the marketing department standpoint, nothing to, to, to sell the idea that Kyrie Irving will be in Nets jersey.
0: And, and by the way, so this relates to tonight, and it relates to the, the four games this team has played. So obviously the dream scenario is Kevin Durant resigns. he already has, James Harden re-signs, and even Kyrie Irving resigns. because as they age, if you've got three superstar all-time great players aging at the same time, they'll be able to make up for each of their deficiencies. And I think that's one of the, the things I view over the next four years, why it's ideal to have all three guys on this roster. I'm not telling you that James Harden is aging because it's only four games into the season. And I think there are a lot of factors that are leading to this. Obviously the rule changes on what's a foul and what not's a foul uh, is so far impacting James Harden. Is he going to be able to make an adjustment? Are the officials going to make an adjustment? That is to be determined. The other thing is I don't know if James Harden is in 100% primo game shape. And and I hope that changes. You made a joke earlier. He's kind of got that old man craftiness of getting to the basket. But right now, four games into the year, I think we could all agree for whatever reason, whether your confidence is high that he's going to turn it around, James Harden is not the same James Harden. And I think that those deficiencies, whether they are permanent and long-term, are going to be masked easier if you have a guy like Kyrie Irving next to him, not just Kevin Durant. And so I'm not necessarily talking about just this season, because I do think personally Harden's going to turn it on. I don't think at 32, whatever his age is, he's lost that athletic skill. I think he'll play himself in a game shape. And I do think that he's going to adjust to the calls he's not getting. And I also think that the point of emphasis may also disappear as the season goes on. So I'm not scared yet about what I'm seeing from James Harden athletically. But when they do max him out, that's when it matters. Because, look, I'm all for re-signing him. I think we all are. But what does this guy look like three years from now? And I think it's fair to wonder athletically what he's going to look like three years from now. And I think it'll be easier to cope if you've got Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant playing next to whatever James Harden looks like in three years.
1: And looking at the James Harden perspective of how he's doing now, I'm intrigued because when he came over from Houston to the Nets, he was – he's fat, he's out of shape, he's not in, the, he's not in game shape, he's been a disaster – then he comes to the Nets and like flips the switch. Unbelievable. Is getting people involved. It's a triple-double machine. Every night is 25, 10, and 11, 27, 12, and 13, the whole deal. And he looks unbelievable. He's in the conversation for MVP, and people are debating, oh, can he be an MVP because he he lollygagged that first month of the season in Houston. Is it even fair for him to be an MVP candidate? Then he gets this hamstring deal that happens in the series versus the Bucks in the first two seconds. And obviously we saw what he was in Milwaukee in that last couple of games. He was a shell of himself. So are you telling me like, like not you particular, but people in general that he's not as athletic from six months ago because of a hamstring, could that have changed him forever? Or are we now just seeing him getting back into game shape, getting ready, moving along? I mean, my hunch is that it's just going to take him a little bit of time but, yeah, it would be kind of scary if he's not the same player because then the next chances of winning the title are, like, gone. But, boy, without Kyrie and James Harden losing a grip is a big deal. And to alluding to your point that you started that with this is, yeah, that's where someone like Kyrie Irving, who, you know, is that athletic guard, who can do anything on the court, can get to places, would really be a nice compliment is, and, and to why we always had said, with these Ben Simmons hypothetical deals, that Kyrie Irving and James Harden actually complement each other well, and in theory, if they're both on the roster, would age well together nicely if you know the stars align and that does happen.
0: Yeah, I mean, look, I, I'm not worried. I I'm learning a few things about rooting for a team with high expectations, and one of which is we can't freak out one game, two games, three games, four games into a season. So. I'm not just doing that with the record at two and two. I'm going to do it with what I'm seeing from James Harden, realizing that we've never had a full season of James Harden. We don't know him the way we would know Jason Kidd or Vince Carter back in the day. So I'm okay giving him the benefit of the doubt that, hey, in a month or two, he's going to look like the James Harden we saw on the Nets last year and the James Harden who's an MVP caliber player. I think it's more, I'm thinking long-term you know, when when anyone brings up, hey, would you trade Kyrie Irving? The reason I still lean towards no, is not about this year, because my expectation is things aren't going to work out this year. Unfortunately, with everything that's going on, I'm thinking more of the future. Like, hey, if the relationship is not frayed and whether he gets vaccinated or the rules eventually change, Kyrie Irving is a great basketball player. And I don't believe you're getting a great basketball player back. So why would I move on from a guy like that? So it's to me, it's more thinking about two years from now because the Nets are going to offer James Harden a max contract as they should. And I think watching him in the early going, it's fair to wonder, is this the guy he's going to look like two years from now? Like the guy who's playing himself in a game shape. What does 35 is 35-year-old James Harden making $58 million a year look like? And, you know, I almost think that the first couple of weeks of the season may be us looking into the future in what James Harden does look like in a couple of years.
1: And the good news is that, you know, 37 year old Kevin Durant will look even better than he does now as he continues (laughs) to be unbelievable. And Evan today, I thought it was encouraging. Kevin Durant played basketball tonight. He also played basketball yesterday and Kevin Durant just did a back to back on the third and fourth games of the season, which was encouraging to see. I understand Kevin Durant is not playing 82 games I don't remember what we had said on one of the previous episodes when we talked about the over unders for what Kevin Durant would play, but it's encouraging. Now the second year off the injury, we saw the Olympics. We now see that he's getting minutes in, in uh, back-to-backs. It's cool to see Kevin Durant and not having to play the game of he's not there. He is there. And actually getting to see that was, uh, was, was awesome. It was just great to see that your best player was out on the court on back-to-back nights. And I understand Rest is necessary. I'm into it and understand, but within, within reason, you know, I want to make sure he is still getting minutes at the same time.
0: Yeah. Like sitting here tonight would have been kind of pushing it a little bit too much. I mean, we're, we're early into the season. Guys want to develop chemistry together. We're how many months away from the postseason? seven months away from the playoffs. If he sat tonight, it would have been like, really? What, what are we doing at this point? I'm sure in the middle of March, you'll start to think about it differently, but. It's funny. I never even thought about it today. I thought about the LaMarcus-Blake Griffin thing from yesterday where Blake doesn't play the first end of the back-to-back. LaMarcus doesn't play the, the second of the back-to-back. And that's fine. I think it makes a lot of sense, especially for LaMarcus Aldridge, who's coming off of it and still has these heart issues. So you really want to be careful with him. But with Durant and Harden, I didn't even think about it. Like, it didn't even really kind of register and go through my mind. A couple of other things. Patty Mills is awesome. Mm. Is something up with Joe Harris? I mean, I, 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 it's not that he's been awful, but like even when he hit that wide-open three in the fourth quarter with about, I think it was six minutes to go, he was open in the right corner, or at least from where I'm sitting, it's the right corner. He, he was so excited about hitting that wide-open three. It's almost like he was telling us, yeah, guys, I'm battling it mentally right now. I, I, I don't know if it's a postseason hangover or whatever it is, but something feels a little bit off about Joe right now.
1: Well, he was two for 10 from three or two for 10 from the field. And before that shot was made and the other three that he made was another corner shot. I, I want to say early second quarter, late first quarter, something like that. When the Nets put together one of their better runs in the first half, it was the same thing. The fist pump from Joe Harris. He doesn't look the same with his confidence and I think that Durant and Harden notice it. And I, I, this is just going off feel from somebody that watches every second of these stupid things. It feels like Durant and Harden are uh, less inclined to give him the basketball right now and don't trust him as much as opposed to somebody like Patty Mills or even Bruce Brown. It feels like they'll make the extra pass to get them the ball and not as much would, I, I think, I think Durant fully doesn't trust him yet, especially what happened in Milwaukee and if there was ever going to be a trade that was made, I don't know how they would do it with cap and the whole thing. Cause Joe makes a ton of money, but if you package Joe and Claxton, for some reason I see down the line, like that's the kind of deal that the nets would make if they're trying to get maybe more of an athletic guard combo forward to come onto this roster. Uh, Cause right now it, this team is very different when Joe's not making shots and it's clear down the line, in postseason play, in big spots, it's Patty Mills in the game, especially if there's no Kyrie. It's Patty Mills in these games and not Joe Harris down the stretch.
0: I think uh, Wednesday will be interesting. I think Miami has a chance to be one of those uh, heavyweights in the Eastern Conference. Jimmy Butler, Bam out of Bio, who still haunts my nightmares. I can't stand Bam. Kyle Lowry, who you know, we've hated him for years. Now he's a part of the Miami mix. It'll be interesting with the heat coming to town Wednesday, but it's a long homestand. Maybe we got a chance to fatten up a little bit uh, and get some W's. And I'm glad today they were able to get one because that Friday game against Philly, while it was a satisfying win, a win that they really pulled out of their ass losing for 46 out of 48 minutes. And it was great. You know, the Harden pass to LaMarcus, the defense down the stretch on Joel Embiid, Danny Green throwing up air balls, it did feel like that was an escape win. That was a pull it out of your ass, lucky win. And tonight was the first time where it was a clear cut ass kicking garbage time. Here comes Camp Thomas kind of game. And that's nice to see. There should be a lot of those games this season where we just kick another team's ass.
1: Yeah, it, it felt good to have the lead the entire game get into more of a relaxed mode, even even it's impossible. There's always times where teams make the run and you can never be relaxed, but yeah, it was nice to just get a victory and it felt like we were watching the nets from last season where it never really was in doubt. The nets got the win. They outclassed Washington. Kevin Durant was Kevin Durant and the rest is history for the Brooklyn nets.
0: By the way, one last thing. I don't know if you guys saw this on TV or if it was on Twitter. So before every season opener or home opener, A player gives a message. So Joel Embiid in Philadelphia was the one who gave his message and said, we all love Ben. I I don't know why. I think they were ribbing him. It's the only thing I could come up with is that Dayron sharp was the guy who had the microphone and he got into it. He hammed it up a little bit. He got into it. Hey, Brooklyn, what's up? Let's go Nets. But Dayron sharp was the guy who gave us the welcome to the new season message. So I don't know about you, but I'm convinced all the veterans were kind of ribbing him and making him do it.
1: Yeah, that had to be something like that. I don't think, uh, Dayron's like, all right, I've been around for, I don't know, a month and a half. I'll be the guy that leads this. It has to be, it has to be something from the veterans playing one on the rookie. And I I could not see that being in any other way, but I, yeah, I saw that and I loved how it was just short and sweet. It wasn't like Joel Embiid, hey guys, don't forget, we like Ben Simmons. When we talk about Ben Simmons, we got to be nice about Ben Simmons. This was just, (laughs) hey, Brooklyn, what's up? Um, you're not going to see much of me this, this, this season, but maybe, maybe you will, who knows, maybe I'm a good rebounder and, and that'll change. Things.
0: All right. Very satisfying night. The Nets win. I'm satisfied because I parked my car in Brooklyn yesterday before the Hornets Nets game, left my car there, went home with my family, took the train to work, took the train to Barkley center, the Nets won and my car is still there. And now I'm about to go over the white stone bridge and it's starting to rain very, very hard. Mm-hmm. So this was our first ever I'm driving home. Basaglia is sitting on his ass edition of the Brooklyn basketball podcast. Thank you for listening.